Let's take our Bibles and we're going to go to the 21st Psalm today. Psalm 21. Boy, I trust you have experienced God's grace. You know, you experience it first of all at salvation. But then after that, we keep experiencing it. God blesses us and does so many things for us. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'd invite you today to experience God's wonderful grace through His Son, Jesus Christ. This morning I'm going to speak to you here out of the 21st Psalm on another blessing from God, uh, our prayer life, and what God has blessed us to have that privilege to come into His presence. We're going to continue our series of studies through the the book of Psalms, this is my story, this is my psalm. We're in the 21st Psalm today. Uh, of course, last Sunday we were in missions conference and heard great messages all week, culminating last Sunday with Faith Promise Sunday. And uh, so we took a break uh, in our series of studies. And, and so two Sundays ago, we were in the 20th Psalm, if you remember. Uh, and I introduced those two psalms to you at that they were connected, Psalm 20 and 21 were connected. Uh, they were uh, along the same subject, and we, in fact, we called them battle psalms, battle psalms. And so let me remind you a little bit, as before we get into this psalm here, how we're trying to study the psalms. Uh, first of all, I want to look at them historically. I want to try to get an understanding of what is going on in the psalmist's life or the individual that's written that psalm at that time. Some psalms we just don't know. There's no information given. We're not even sure uh, what what event or moment has has inspired those things. But for many of them, we can get some understanding. And of course, both of these psalms, 20 and 21, were written by David. And um, uh, again, it's not always possible, but we believe that these psalms were written as they're getting ready to go to a battle. And many Bible students believe that 2 Samuel chapter number 10 is the background for, this, for these two psalms. Uh, that's where David and the nation of Israel is going into battle against the Ammonites in 2 Samuel chapter number 10. So we want to have a historical background, but also we're looking at them in a compositional way. Uh, How does the book, how does that chapter or the Psalms, we should say, fit in the book? Uh, Very rarely do you find that the Psalms are written in a chronological order, although I do believe these two come back to back with each other. But they're placed by subject and by uh, by theme, and and so they'll be placed in this order in that fashion. And, um, And in this particular one, the very first uh, Psalm 20, it is, a, it is a prayer request as they get ready to go into battle. And then the 21st Psalm is, a, is an answer to that. They've gone through the battle now, and it's a praise. So 20 is a more of a prayer request. 21 is a praise report of what, how God answered the prayer and those specific things there. And then we also want to look at it in a Christological way. We want to see how does Christ appear in the Psalms. And we can see Christ in this, uh, this particular Psalm today. We can see how he uh, is involved. But if you look over to the 22nd Psalm, uh, that is probably one of the most prolific uh, messianic Psalms that we have. 
Uh, it's a psalm of David. Look, let's just, we'll, we'll, we'll preach through this 22nd psalm at some point, but look at it with me. In the superscription, we say it's a psalm of David. Uh, so these are David's words, but notice the, even just the very first words in, in the first verse. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And so those very first words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is Jesus. Jesus will say those very words on the cross hundreds of years later. Now, some people would say, well, Jesus quoted David hundreds of years later. I believe this. David quoted Jesus hundreds of years before Jesus would say it. This is Jesus Christ throughout this chapter here. In fact, Charles Spurgeon says of Psalm 22, he says, David and his afflictions may be here in a very modified sense, but as the star is concealed by the light of the sun, he who sees Jesus will probably neither see or care to see David. It is true, David wrote the 22nd Psalm, but as you read it and you learn more about it, you're going to see Christ in this. And we'll see that in many of the Psalms. So with those things in mind, let me remind you again on Psalm 20 and 21, they're connected both historically and compositionally. Uh, They're both Psalms of David. Psalm 20 is a prayer request. Psalm 21 is a praise report. Let's read the 21st Psalm. You follow along as I read our text today. The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire, and hast not withholden the request of his lips, Selah. For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. Thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest to him even length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation. Honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. For thou hast made him most blessed forever. Thou hast made him exceeding glad in thy countenance. For the king trusteth in the Lord. And through the mercy of the Most High, he shall, <coughs> he shall not be moved. Thine hands shall find out all thine enemies. Thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their fruit shalt thou destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men. For they intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischievous device which they are not able to perform. Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back, when thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon thy strings against the face of them. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength, so will we sing and praise thy power. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning, and Lord, as we have this passage before us, we ask you, Lord, that you would speak to us through it. Lord, I want to communicate things clearly, Lord, and correctly, and I ask you for your help. And then, Lord, I pray also, that, Lord, that our hearts would be open to your direction in our lives. And, uh, Father, we would respond in fashion, Lord, as you guide and direct us now. Well, thank you for what you accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I mentioned the historical background of this is from 2 Samuel chapter number 10. So would you just turn there just for a moment? 
2 Samuel chapter number 10 and get a little bit of a setting of what is going on in this passage of Scripture. 2 Samuel chapter number 10. And David has been the king for some time now. He's been a busy and active king. And uh, his, his reign has caused him to um, have many battles, extended their, uh, uh, their, their, the, the, the parameters of the kingdom. Uh, it's been a successful reign as king. And when we get to chapter number 10, it says, And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died. And Hanan, his son, reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. So a neighboring kingdom, the king dies. And David remembers how that king had showed kindness to him at one time. And so he says, I'm going to return that gesture. And so he sends some servants there to bring gifts and to bring a message uh, to this new king of Ammon named Hanan. And verse number three says, And the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanan their lord, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father? That he sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it? And so that's the way they interpret this visit. They say, well, he's not really come to pay us honor and to show kindness, but really to use this as an advantage, as an opportunity to spy out this, this group here. Now, I won't read further here, but depending how you your sense of humor is, you would find the next events perhaps uh, humorous, but really it was very dishonoring to the people of what happens. He's going to take these servants and he's going to shave half of their beard off and he's going to cut out a piece of their garment uh, that they're wearing that's going to be quite embarrassing and send them away. You can read that verse number four for yourself at your leisure. And, uh, and, and this is a very... Um, uh, a very offensive and hurtful and aggressive approach by Hanan, the king of Ammon. And so what happens is uh, they believe that David and, and Israel is getting ready to attack them. They send these servants back in this, this uh, uh, embarrassing fashion, and then they raise up their army. In fact, they get their army ready, and then they go out and hire a bunch of mercenaries from the Syrians. And they're going to go to battle with the nation of Israel. That leads us back to chapter, or excuse me, Psalm 20. David is praying about this upcoming battle in Psalm 20. That's where he calls it a day of trouble, a day of difficulty. And he's, he's, he's anticipating this battle against not just the Ammonites, but also the Syrians that have come to aid them and to help them. And so that's the background, the setting here in chapter number 10 of 2 Samuel. And that's what we looked at two Sundays ago. And that leads us then to today's, the 21st chapter. The 20th chapter was the prayer request. The 21st Psalm is the praise report. What a blessing it is to be able to bring our request 
before a holy and a righteous God. Um, what a privilege. Several years ago, I tried to get in touch. When I was living in Columbus, Ohio, our church, we were in Columbus, but we were part of a small little township that our church was in, and that's where our police force was at, in this small little township. It wasn't Columbus PD, it was, it was Blendon Township, and they may have had 20 cars, maybe 30 officers. It was a small force had a chief of police, and uh, we appreciated them, and, 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 and they were very helpful to us. And so I asked if I could have a meeting with the chief of police. And uh, I called down there. In fact, I tried to just go down there, and I said, I'd like to meet with the chief of police. Is he available? I really didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. And it was like I asked to meet with the president of the United States. They said, well, you can't see him right now. I said, oh, is he not here? Well, he's here, but... I said, is he busy? Well, I don't know. You just can't come in here anytime you want. I said, okay, that's fine. What do I need to go through? And I had to go through every hoop and, 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 and twist and turn to get this meeting. It took a couple of weeks, and that's fine. But it reminded me of how difficult it is to see someone of significance and importance. I guess if I went down to Richmond and I said I wanted to go see Governor Yunkin, there would probably be some protocol I got to go through in order for that to happen, even if it could happen. Uh, If I wanted to go to the White House, I imagine there would be some other protocols to to even get the possibility of that. But do you realize, right now, you can go into the very presence of God, into his throne room of grace, It's an amazing thought. The creator of this universe invites you to come to him. Come to him consistently. Come to him often and bring your request before God. What an amazing thought this is. And then how convicting it is that we do not take advantage of that. None of us probably pray enough. None of us take advantage to go into this, into the presence of God, but yet we have this opportunity. Why? Because we're God's children. We become part of his family. I read years ago an illustration about President Kennedy. When he was the president, he was known to allow his children, his little kids, to come into the Oval Office. He'd be working at the desk, and they'd be over in the corner playing with their toys and different things. And some of President Kennedy's uh, officials and office and cabinet didn't always appreciate that. And uh, one day, one of his higher-ranking officials sat down on a couch or something and sat on one of John Jr.'s toys that was under the cushion or something. I don't know what happened exactly. And in frustration, he says, Mr. President, why do you let your children in your office? He says, for that very reason, they're my children. And church, you have access to God because you're his child If you know Christ as your Savior, he says, come to me. Uh, Bring your request to me. Come into my presence. It's a great honor for us to go into the throne room of grace. We are his children. We belong to him. And we can bring our prayer requests, our needs, our petitions before him. But don't forget about the praise reports. Don't forget about bringing our praises to God as well. And that's what this 21st Psalm is all about. In the 21st Psalm, David 
relishes and exalts the Lord for the king, uh, for the for the Lord's strength. Notice with me verse number one. The king, that's David, shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation. How greatly he shall he rejoice. Look at the 13th verse. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength. So will he sing and praise thy power. That's an often a, 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 a writing style of David. He'll start with a thought and he'll end with the thought in that psalm. He starts with the strength of the Lord. He ends with the strength of the Lord. So this morning, I want to bring you a thought of here of what a mighty God we serve. What a powerful God we serve. A strong God, the strength of the Lord. As I was meditating and thinking on that, my mind was reminded of a children's Bible song that we used to sing with our children when they were little uh, at our family devotions. How many of you know the song, My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. We used to get that in our boys, they're four or five years old, and boy, they were making those muscles and they were trying to act out those thoughts of being how strong our God is. Listen, that's not just a little song for children, there's some theology there. Our God is powerful. Our God is strong. Our God is mighty today. Don't ever fall into the trap that the enemies of of the believer, the enemies of God, are anywhere in the same plane as our God is. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, We we don't fight a battle today where where the forces are equal. There's nothing or no one that is equal to our God. So in this passage of Scripture, there are two thoughts today that I want to share with you. In those first seven verses, we see this, that David is praising the Lord for the Lord's strength that delivers the believer right now, in the day of trouble, in the difficulties that come at this very moment. Church, every one of us, we face and will face daily trials and difficulties to various degrees of intensity. Sometimes it's just a frustrating moment, isn't it? And sometimes it could be the trial or difficulty of our life. Today everything is well. Tomorrow things could be difficult and, 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 and hard for us. The things of this life are constantly there. I shared these verses with you a couple of weeks ago. Job 14, verse number 1. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. In John chapter 16, verse 33, in the world ye shall have tribulation. Listen, we live in a sin-cursed world and there are going to be difficulties and heartaches, trials. And I'm so grateful I have a God that's strong enough to deliver me from those things each and every day. We lean on him, we look to him. I had the privilege of making a quick trip Thursday morning. We flew out to Chicago, and I went down to Chesterton, Indiana, and preached at Fairhaven Baptist Church Thursday night at their midweek service, and then Friday at chapel, and did some interviewing of some college students for some potential positions here down the line. And so we were there, and I preached on Wednesday, or excuse me, their Thursday evening service, their their midweek service. I preached on, out of Mark chapter 5, from being burdened to believing. That's the passage of scripture where the, the, the leader of the synagogue 
comes to Jesus and tells him that his daughter is near death to come quickly. And he starts with this great burden, and at the very end, he leaves a believing man as he's seen God deliver him. And there's a course of things that happen over the course of that day. I had a gentleman come talk to me that evening. And he just told me, he says, he goes, if you came for nobody else but for me, I want to thank you. He says, these last two weeks have been some of the most difficult weeks of my life. It's just been one trial, one difficulty, one heartache after another. And he goes, it's hard, and it's difficult, and there's times that I want to just, I want to walk away, and I just want to give up. And, and he said, I needed to hear that tonight. I can go from this burdened heart to a believing heart. Why? Because we have an all-powerful God. We have a God that is able to overcome. Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2 says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And so we'll praise the Lord for the Lord's strength in these daily, in the moment, difficulties that we'll have. But when we get to verses 8 through 13, the psalmist goes to a different tense. Notice verse number 8. Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies. Thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in a time of anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. We can go on and on, but he's going into a future tense. He starts looking ahead. And so not only do we praise the Lord for what he does for us on a daily right now moment, but I can praise the Lord for what he's going to do. And as we read these verses here in, the, in, the, in, in this passage of Scripture, it really does take us to a prophetic place, I believe. He's taking us to a place. Notice some of the terminology that he uses here. Verse number 9. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. This takes us to a prophetic place. We've been our Wednesday evenings been studying the end times looking at, uh, uh, at a prophetic timeline of events that we believe are going to happen. Currently, we are living in what is called the church age. Uh, we learned last week in, uh, through our missions conference that God has a mission, and God has brought the church to accomplish and to work through that mission uh, that God has. And God is working through our church and other churches. And, and this is the age that we live in. But we're anticipating this next moment or this next event in our, in our prophetic timeline of a rapture. When Jesus Christ will come back and rapture the church, rapture the believers out of this world, pull them out. And at that moment, this world is going to go into an event known as the tribulation period. And we've been studying that now for um, oh, 15 or 16 messages going through the book of Revelation. And we have seen the wrath of God poured out on a sin, uh, excuse me, a savior rejecting people. People that have rejected Jesus Christ, God's wrath is poured out upon them and we're seeing that in the book of Revelation. And we see that same thought here in this 21st Psalm. That seven-year period 
of the wrath of God that's poured out upon mankind will eventually come an end at the end of that seven years. There will be a battle called the Battle of Armageddon. And then there will be a kingdom that is established. And he speaks of that kingdom here in this passage of Scripture. It's an earthly kingdom. It's a kingdom where King Jesus will establish his throne. The beast and the false prophet and, and Satan are all cast into the lake of fire and they're bound, or excuse me, not the lake of fire, but in the bottomless pit and they're, they're bound there. And then for a thousand years, King Jesus will rule here on this earth, established his kingdom. And at the end of that thousand years, Satan will be released for a season, will raise up an army once again that will reject King Jesus and there'll be one final battle, battle of Gog and Magog there in Revelation chapter number 19. And that kingdom, uh, that battle will end all these things and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth after the great white throne judgment. And we see these things that are going to take place where we'll have an eternal home in a new heaven. And King David is thanking God, praising God for what he is going to do. We can live in the future in this fashion, church. Not just thanking God for what he's doing right now, but what he's going to do. By the way, everything he's going to do is going to be right. It's going to be correct. You know why I believe that? Because everything he's ever done has been right and correct. We cannot look back and see a failure of God. We cannot look back and see where he's, he's failed us. And so we continue to look forward in faith, praising God for what he is going to accomplish. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to th that you would be thankful to God for the privilege that we have and can have to come into the presence of God as one of his children. Now, that's not for everybody. That's for his children. It's for those that know God in the Bible way. God's word says this, you can only come to God through Jesus Christ, through the death, burial of Jesus, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the way you come to know God. It's a faith relationship. It's not about being good enough. It's not about being re religious enough. It's about putting your faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and calling on God by faith to save you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can meet him today. You can go, become one of God's children simply by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Christian, you're one of his children. When's the last time you've come to talk to him? When's the last time you've come into his presence? When's the last time you've, you've gone to him and said, God, I, 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 I want to have a, relation, a fellowship with you and a time with you and, and to bring our needs before him? It is a great honor of ours. God longs for it and wants it. We encourage you today to come to him and bring your requests before God and then bring your praises before the Lord. How he is delivering you and will deliver you we bring our praises before the Lord. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, do you spend time with God? Do you take advantage of this great privilege of prayer? When's the last time you truly talked to God? And I trust today that you would not 
be convicted by my efforts today, but by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. If the Lord's touching your heart today that you know I don't, you don't pray like you should, you don't come into the presence of God like you should, that can change. That can change simply by making a commitment in your heart. God, I am going to spend time with you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I encourage you today, would you let someone, let, let someone take a Bible today and show you how you can have a faith relationship with God. Become one of his children. Be given access into his throne room. Father, I pray now that you would take this invitation moment or that you would help us today to listen to your Holy Spirit as he works in our hearts and our lives and to be obedient to you. Lord, if you're touching someone's heart today about salvation, I pray, God, that they would respond. If you're touching someone's heart today about a step of obedience and baptism or church membership or uh, an area of service, Lord, that they would respond to you today. Lord, if you're convicting someone today about their lack of praying, their lack of spending time with you, Lord, would you convict them and, Lord, draw them to you today and may they respond in obedience. Lord, help us to be people of prayer through our request and our praises. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you accomplish in Jesus' name. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, would you stand where you're at today? And as the piano begins to play, the Lord spoke to your heart. The altar's available. There at your pew, however the Lord is leading you in your life, would you respond to him today and be obedient to him this morning?